0: Hi and welcome to Talking Trading, I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. Louise Bedford and Chris Tate recently returned from the International Federation of Technical Analysts annual conference in Tokyo, Japan. Chris Tate wanted to find out if traders from around the world differ, and he discovered that the answer was definitively no. Traders from every culture make the same stupid trading mistakes. In this episode of Talking Trading, we hear Chris Tate's impressions of the conference and his impressions of Tokyo, a city with staggering contrasts of the hypermodern and the very old, a place where hotel staff fall like ninjas from the roof, where girls mingle in little black dresses with other women wearing traditional kimonos, a country where the food is bizarre and the streets are immaculate and crime-free. Still on his travel high, Chris shares why he's enamoured of the country, but why he's not turning Japanese just yet. Chris Tate, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi, Caroline. Now, Chris, you and Louise Bedford recently attended the International Federation of Technical Analysts and your conference, and I can't believe I got that out of my mouth first time. In Tokyo, Chris, what were your initial impressions of the conference?
1: I've always, even, even since my academic days, found conferences to be intriguing. They tend to range of a spectrum of... They tend to elicit a spectrum of responses in me. Some, some have been very, very good, where cutting edge coalface material is presented things that are uh, really interesting to everyone at the other end of the spectrum is they can often be a three-day wank fest where nothing useful whatsoever is discussed but people's egos are stroked (laughs) and the, the intriguing thing about this one was like all conferences it tended to be a mixture of both one of the problems with conferences on trading is that they often forget that trading is a verb, it's something you do it's a coalface endeavour so it's not like an academic conference, you can stand up there all you want and present all sorts of results but at the end of the day, it's actually got to be applicable, it's a little bit like the memory it evoked in me was when I was much younger and I'd go on martial arts training camps, so you'd go to training days and the like and you'd be presented with all sorts of theory and you'd sit there going yeah mate, that's good, but I work on the door at the pier hotel in Frankston on Friday and Saturday nights, and that'll just get me killed. <laughs> Have you ever been in a fight in your life? And unfortunately, I think with a lot of trading conferences, you get a hardcore population of people there who've never traded, but they're profoundly interested in the the mechanics of trading, the theory of trading. And so they, they end off heading down these tangents, which are really blind alleys. They might be academically and intellectually interesting but they're simply not practical for what we do. And I, I think one of the things that was very remiss in this conference was no money management, no psychology. As anyone knows, that they're the cornerstones of trading. Without those, you're effectively screwed.
0: Do traders differ from around the world?
1: This, this was something that intrigued me. This is something I wanted to find out. Uh, simply because the way we present ourselves to me seems to be a function of our culture, and in terms of a juxtaposition between two cultures, you you probably can't get a more severe or sharp sort of schism than between, say, Western culture and the Japanese. Japan is impenetrable; it, it just is. Its language is impenetrable. Its deep history makes it impenetrable. Its history of isolation makes it very difficult to sort of see behind the curtain. And I thought. Well, if the culture is so different, it'll be interesting to see how their traders are different if they are at all. And what it reinforced in me is that the psychology of trading is actually a base function. It's such a low-level function that it's hard-coded identically into every trader in the world. Cross-cultural. Every trader in the world. It's completely cross-cultural. We all make the same stupid mistakes. (laughs) So whilst culture gives us this veneer of the way we do things, this superficial layer, the basic psychology of people is that we're all the same. You know, As they say, everybody's pink on the inside.
0: <laughs> we risk too much. We, we take our trades before we should. We put too much money in.
1: Every idiot mistake you could think of, <laughs> every trader I spoke to from everywhere around the world did exactly the same thing.
0: Now, Chris, you've done martial arts for a very long time and I know that you have always loved the idea of Japan and you've come back raving about your trip here. What were your impressions of the country?
1: Japan is a country where everything works. Things that we argue over, they just do. We argue over public transport. They can't understand why that's an argument. They literally look at us and giggle.
0: I'm going to give you some topics. About Japan, and tell me what your impressions were of each one. Fire away. The technology of Tokyo.
1: Tokyo is a hyperkinetic modern city. Everything works. There are bizarre billboards with very, very strange ads everywhere. Also, it's a city that is immensely old and has some wonderfully anachronistic bits. Their policemen ride around on what look like to be hand-me-down girls' bikes, so once again, there's this wonderful contrast between the hypermodern and the old.
0: What about how everything works in the city?
1: I think it it works for one reason. I found Japan to be a no dickhead zone. As we were discussing before, if you go to the Gold Coast, the Gold Coast is the epicentre of dickheads in Australia. <laughs> go to, go to Tokyo, great Tokyo metropolitan area, 37 million people, didn't meet a dickhead. Felt completely safe at home, relaxed. The only time I felt uncomfortable was on grand final day when we walked and into an Australian bar. And you simply go, yep, dickheads. Uh, things, things just work. There, there is a pride in doing the right thing, the right time, the first time. And that's, that's the national ethos. Just do it properly. And if you do it properly the first time, you don't have to uh, keep coming back. For example, I, I joke, I'm now nearly four months into a 10-day pool renovation speaking to people who've had renovations and building work done in Japan wouldn't happen just it just it's it's so far out of the way they think and their desire for pride in what they do is so extreme it just wouldn't happen
0: the collective consciousness of the people there
1: this is an intriguing thing the the japanese have an intriguing ethos and the thing that brought this home to me was we were out wandering around on a saturday morning and we saw school children wandering around and they were as young as five and they're navigating their way around downtown tokyo and there are two forces at play here one is a desire of japanese parents to build self-sufficiency and self-reliance in their children the other is the fact that japan has zero crime it literally has zero crime so nothing happens and it was explained to me that the collective sort of consciousness the collective idea is that everybody looks out for everybody else Going to the conference, we saw people catching the train and they would ride to the train station, they would put their bike in the bike rack and they'd leave it. Here, you need to take the front wheel off, you need to take the seat off, you need to lock it. And you need to lock it twice. And you need to lock it with one of these high tensile steel locks that can't be ripped open by modern bolt cutters. And I I said, what happens? And the Japanese explained to me, they literally said, we just don't do that. And they couldn't understand that other people did. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the dress code of the Japanese
1: this is intriguing because we we were staying in Rapongi, which is a very, very trendy area, and it's it 's full of young worldly modern Japanese who wear every brand name you could ever ever think of from anywhere in the world, and they do it spectacularly well, so they they 're very modern, but at the same time, you will see young girls wandering around in traditional dress in traditional kimono we went past a wedding that was going on and some were dressed in literally the little black dress that seems to be the default setting for young girls around the world and others were dressed traditionally. And there there was no problem with interaction. There was nothing said. There was nothing done. It was just accepted that this is the way things are. Some people are very modern. Some people are respectful of the way things used to be. So again it's this odd juxtaposition.
0: What about the geisha ladies, the geisha girls?
1: That's a fascinating tradition. And one which is a westerner, you you really just sit and stare at with your gob open. You you really don't know you don't have the words to actually describe your impression of them because they are I I say they they're so petite, they're so tidy, there is and they're very small, and this is a word that kept coming back to me in Japan. The Japanese are very small, not in stature. That's not right because some are really quite large. Uh, some are very tall, but they seem to be drawn into themselves. Uh, Australians are big, expansive, loud, uh, obnoxious. Yeah, basically, we, we have a propensity to be complete idiots, and uh, they're actually quite small, and you, it. It is actually hard to tell when they're around. I was frequently surprised by hotel staff who appeared next to me as if by magic. It's as if they were ninjas and they dropped from the ceiling. But it's just that they don't radiate that, that sort of brash obnoxiousness that we do. So you don't actually pick that up from them. So the, the traditional dress is a fascinating thing. And to see it in such a staggeringly modern setting as Tokyo is really quite surprising but apparently it is commonplace, as, as we saw.
0: What about the cleanliness of the population there?
1: Oh, God. Uh, the Japanese invented bathing, and they've ele- elevated it to the form of a religion. If, if you go to an onsen one of the bathhouses, there is a strict code of how you do things, and it's a wonderful code, uh, because if ever you've travelled to other parts of the world or you've caught a taxi here in Melbourne or Sydney, you'll discover that certain people probably haven't bathed this century that just doesn't happen with the Japanese, bathing is something they do, but that flows through to a a, a more expansive approach in that their cities are staggeringly clean there is no rubbish uh, there are vending machines everywhere for example, and this, this is a very odd strange cultural thing about Tokyo and about Japan in general is their fascination with vending machines. They're all pristine. They're all in working order. No one's kicked them in, tipped them over, scribbled all over them. Uh, So that sense of both internal and external purity is very, very much part of the way they exist and part of the way they think.
0: What about the food?
1: That's bizarre. If, If there was a single word that described Japanese food, it would be bizarre. At the conference, they gave out lunch boxes, bento boxes, and you would open it up and go, I recognize that. And that's, that, that's, that's, that, I've got nothing else. Maybe if I do a search on Google images, I'll find out what it is. Their food is intriguing. It, it's, it's very different in tone, texture, substance, everything to the way we eat. But having said that, the two best steaks I've ever had In Tokyo, one was in a teppanyaki bar in the hotel, and the other was when we caught up with our good mate John O'Barrett for lunch, and they were staggering. They were stunning in quality, and they were done to perfection. Uh, Again, it's that Japanese desire for perfection.
0: Loyalty time.
1: Loyalty time is one of their great social ills. We had a guide who was was a lovely girl because we wanted to see some of the museums of modern art and various design bibs and bobs because the Asian is, the Japanese aesthetic appeals to me the, the, the wonderful simplicity of design and art they have I, I find very compelling her husband was a I don't know whether you'd say middle ranking government official he left work before they got up came home after they'd gone to bed didn't see him during the week, during the week at all and she said all that time is loyalty time. They're not doing anything. It is again. This must be seen to be doing the right thing. Uh, this concept of face and honour that you need to be seen to be there. And unfortunately, this is one of the the problematic pressure cooker pieces of, of being Japanese. And it's it is easy to eulogise a country, particularly when it brings in a such focus. Everything that's wrong with your own. And there are an enormous number of manifest problems here in Australia. Uh, We're lazy, we're stupid. Our politicians are particularly lazy and stupid. We can't get anything done, nothing happens. Uh, Completely different to the energy that comes out of Asia. But being Japanese comes at a cost. And part of that cost is this pressure cooker environment. And that's manifest in their appalling suicide rate. They they have an enormous problem with suicide. What's the rate?
0: What, What are the numbers?
1: It is the biggest killer of men between 22 and 44, generally for economic reasons, and the numbers are in excess of 30,000 a year. So it's it's staggering. But they, they even have children committing suicide at school because of this relentless push they can often engage in. So that is one of their enormous problems. It, it does seem to be reading their papers over there and speaking in Japanese to be something they've been slow to catch on with. They've been slow, I think, in part, as it was explained to me, because of the cultural part that suicide plays in accepting failure, particularly in ancient Japan and particularly among the code of Bushido, among the samurai, who would commit ritual suicide.
0: Harakiri. Uh,
1: basically, yes. It was considered to be an honourable thing to do. And, and so they, they've been caught. They've not been able to make the shift from saying, well, yes, the two are distinctly different. one's occurring because of a field of conduct on the battlefield from the middle ages and the other is occurring because of the enormous societal pressures we put upon people in being japanese they haven't quite they they don't seem to quite grasp that the two are different and are sharply different and it is quite damaging to their society
0: okay final question mount fuji
1: is enormous and one of the best natural sites i've ever seen we we were very spoilt at this time of year. Apparently, it's sometimes quite difficult to see. We saw it both on approach, landing into Tokyo, and we we arrived very early in the morning, so the sun was coming up over the, over Mount Fuji, and you can see why it holds the spiritual place that it does for the Japanese. And we were able to see it the next day from breakfast. It is a stonkingly big hill. Uh, it makes Kosiosko look like a pimple on my bum. It it is. Quite remarkable. And it dominates the landscape in a a way that I've not seen other mountains dominate.
0: What are some of the things that you've taken away from your visit?
1: That's an interesting question. The the intriguing thing about Japan is that it is... Well, the the thing about Tokyo is there are a staggering number of contrasts. There's a mixture of old and new but it goes deeper than that. For example, outside our hotel was a park that they'd put in place and wherever we went throughout Tokyo, there were parks scattered around everywhere and once you walked into the park, it seemed as if you were no longer part of Tokyo. Tokyo disappeared because they're engineered in such a way that you often head down into the park and so your view of your eyeline is obscured. So when you look up, you look up into trees and there's dappled light everywhere and it has this remarkable ability to generate stillness inside of all this noise and one of the things that I've taken away from Japan is, is again the value of stillness of finding ways to cut out noise in not, not just physical noise but uh, psychological and emotional noise it's that ability to sort of find those still moments in life where, where you're not being bombarded by noise But it's also the the capacity to be small. One of the things I don't like about being a business in Australia is that to get anything done, you have to be that guy. You have to push, you have to bluster, you have to bully. You can't simply say to someone, look, this is what we've agreed to do. Why don't you just do it? Because that that just doesn't work. It's been my experience that doesn't work. Anyone who's ever built a house will tell you that that is the experience you can't do that because we can't be relied upon or trusted to be grown up and so one of the wonderful things about japan was the capacity to be small you don't have to be that guy to get anything done you simply ask and it gets done
0: chris are you turning japanese now
1: uh, god no i'm about three feet too tall and about 50 kilos too heavy
0: arigato gozaimasu for this interview this morning thank you very much
1: thanks caroline
0: And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week for a very special extended Talking Trading interview with market wizard herself, Linda Rashke. Here, Linda discuss her trading systems, her trading day and lessons she's learnt in the market. I'm Caroline Stephen. On behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week.
1: You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now.
0: The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.